This is Dan Hansis of the Around the NFL podcast, along with Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. Hey, Dan. On the latest show, we uh, talked fri- franchise tag primer, quarterbacks that could stay and uh, could go, because really, guys, quarterback is the lifeblood position of professional football. So true. Check it out on NFL.com slash podcast and iTunes. I'm your man, Nate Burleson, and you are listening to the R&B podcast. Let's go. I like yeah. it. I like yeah. it. Super smooth. How Kyla said, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Welcome to the R&B podcast. No Mike Rob today, but we still going to do what we do. This is the R&B podcast, so we got the aura. I'm in here. We're joined by one of the, the it says rising stars, but you my man. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to just say one of the realists out man. here, Rand Getlin. I appreciate you joining me, man. Appreciate you having like, me, fam. We kind of go back. Yeah. It's weird how we connected here at the network, but we we really vibe on a different level. Rand Gatlin, if you want to know breaking news, anything that's going on in the NFL, man, my man got it. It's my man. You're going to get a commission, Nate. I, nah, might, I might have some dough for you. Get that. <laughs> so I appreciate you joining me, man. Thanks for having me, bro. 100. Appreciate it. My man TD dropping these beats. He said don't reference the beats, but I got to talk about them when they in my background. I'm digging it. Hey, listen, so coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the offseason and whatever that includes. Like, what do you do as a yeah, player? Getting busy. Talking about Rand and, and what you see in athletes, how you talk to them, what they're talking about. Yep. Um, we're going to talk about the draft. Yeah. These young boys. Yeah. What you've seen in the past, what you see now, yep. what you see going forward. Um, we're going to talk about the not-so-glamorous side of the NFL. D'Angelo Williams, he sent us a tweet earlier, um, and he's talking about how he's motivated by certain things. We're also going to talk about um, Earl Thomas and him having some strong words about athletes celebrating the NFL in, in comparison to the NBA. Right. So um, that's what's coming up on the show. And obviously it's R&B, so we, we talk music, we get pop culture popping. Like, last night I saw Drake's dad, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Completely Dennis, unrelated. Dennis but <laughs> Yeah, super mustache. Like, super I ain't seen a mustache like that since Eddie Murphy in the 80s. Like, <laughs> And Dennis, hey, Dennis is in the streets consistently. Bro, like, listen, I walked up to the spot. It was Mr. Nice Guy down here in West yep. Hollywood. And he walked into the spot. With some bad Jones. Oh, yeah, like stays four or five with him. Yeah, stays I'm like, yo, this is crazy. So yeah. anyways, that's aside <laughs> the point. Um, but we're going to talk music, though. Yeah. Kendrick Lamar, his performance. Yeah. Grammys was bananas. That's what I was going to say. It's a lot of good stuff to talk about on the heels of the Grammys, especially that Kendrick performance. 
Kanye obviously has oh. some things to say. Some people had some things to say about Kanye. Taylor Swift had some feedback. Yes. Yeah, it was interesting. He 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 definitely he definitely got everybody's attention. Um, and as always, I gotta give my public service announcement. You have to subscribe and and look for us on iTunes, Stitcher. You gotta give us support so we can give you everything you need. Check us out on YouTube. We got clips, and we're gonna give you everything that we want to talk about and everything that you want to hear um ran yes sir what's popping how you doing man i'm living bro you living we live in in los angeles california i know you're commuting a little bit but you're out uh, here enough to see what it is like every day i wake up and i gotta pinch myself do i still live in this place and i live in the belly of the beast right in west hollywood so in the shadow of the sunset strip talk about it it's uh it's a it's a very activity filled area <laughs> But we have a good time, man. It's, you know, I've got uh, a really good group of friends, uh, solid folks. You know, a lot of people talk yeah. about Los Angeles and say it's a superficial place. Yeah. And I agree with them. Uh, but one thing you have here in Los Angeles is because there are so many imports, what you mm. do is you build your base around folks from elsewhere. Mm. So we're from the Pacific Northwest. Right. You know what Why that's it? like. A lot of Why really it? genuine, down-to-earth, salt-of-the-earth type people. And I tend to, you know, gravitate towards good, solid people who got a good base. And we found a really uh, good group of those folks in in, uh, in Los Angeles. So, yeah, man, be- between good friends and, uh, and and good places to go and beautiful people to see, we, we have a good time. Yeah, so let's talk about your background a little bit. You talked about being from the Pacific Northwest. Um, leaving high school, going into college, what did you want to do? Yeah. What did you end up doing, and why are you here? Man, great questions all. So, uh, so I went to high school at Jefferson High School in Northeast Portland, which was the only predominantly black area in, in the city of Portland. I was talking to so guys off. So for home. everybody listening, yeah. uh, I'm talking to a, a white man right now, <laughs> just so you know what's going on. <laughs> Side note, yeah. I'm at lunch yesterday, and they're like, yo, yo what's going on? Y'all going to do the R&B podcast? I'm like, yeah, I'm supposed to have my man Rand on. A guy that works here, young black kids like this. Yo, Rand? Oh, he's half black. I was like, like, nah, like, Rand just, he's, he's, he's hip to he's with the business. He's with the business. Yeah, with the so, business. um, so for those who are listening, I gotta be, I, I gotta be real. I, you know, I worked with Rand here for a few weeks now in a month. Yep. I don't know what Rand is. It's a question. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, will you clarify that. Let's all answer that. Because you got you got the salt and pepper George yeah. Clooney with the with the gray with the black. He looks a certain way. Yeah. Talks a certain yeah. way. Swag crazy. Ah, uh, appreciate rock, that. He rocks the baddest suit. Trying so. to keep up with you. Okay, now so so t- talk about it. We need to know. Yeah. So okay. So this is it, it's an interesting discussion, and it's funny because black folks are the only ones that ever really identify it. Everyone else think, oh, you know, he's a white guy. Well, I am, right? I pass. Right. But I'm an eighth black, eighth Native American, and three-quarters mutt white is what I always say. So Scots-Irish, <laughs> Irish, Welsh, you know, all these things. But my daddy was— Three-quarters four- mutt white. Yeah, that's what I always say. Because you, you can't—you know, it's not one thing. But my daddy was a uh, uh, quarter black, quarter Cherokee, and half white. His mother was a uh, fourth or fifth generation sharecropper who was from Georgia. And my grandfather on my dad's side was a stowaway on a potato boat from Ireland. They met in the South. Word. Drove up around, you know, so it was in Georgia. So they basically wanted to go around the eastern seaboard because they didn't want to drive through the deep south because at the time interracial relationships were not allowed. So in driving up uh, around the coast, they got caught. My grandma had to wear a hat and pretend she was a man because you couldn't have a black woman and a white man together at that time. Wow. And they got caught somewhere uh, by some folks who had a problem with it and they actually ended up in the hospital as a result of this interaction. So that was the world that my grandma and grandfather grew up in. My father was born in 42. He was a jazz musician. He played with Ornette Coleman, Jackie McLean, Miles Davis, 
you know, all these different people. Word. Yeah, he was heavy. He was like an acid bop, real jazz guy, and grew up in Harlem. And uh, and then he joined the uh, he joined the your Air Force. pops. Yeah, my pops. So it's funny. I'll show you a picture. Harlem. Yeah, yeah. Harlem That's world. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's funny. I, I don't you know I don't talk about it much. But I went to this all black high school. Uh, you would get a lot of things all the time. You're cute for a white boy. You're cool for a white boy. And I'm like, you know, thank you. And I, I didn't feel the need to say anything. But my, my folks who had known me for a lot of years would be like, bro, Rand's not white. Like, he's he's mixed. Okay. So. And, you know, that's the vernacular we would use. But it's not something I've ever felt need that felt the need to publicize for the simple fact that, you know, from my perspective – I don't identify with a single race or culture. Right. Um, but I do very much identify with a set of experiences that I had in the inner city. Okay. Uh, growing up without much, growing up on food stamps, growing up with violence around me, growing up right. with uh, a bunch of folks who were going through the same struggle. Those things really resonated with me. But I also then got, uh, I was in foster care for a while. I got adopted uh, by a family when I was 21, but I moved in with them when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And they were... Uh, you know, hashtag rich. They lived in a big house, 6,500 square feet. Uh, pops drove a drop-top Mustang. Moms drove a Lexus. Uh, they used to have Porsches. We lived on an acre lot with a, a babbling creek in the background. Uh, you know, so it was, a, it was a beautiful, idyllic area. And I went from an all-black high school to an all-white high school. Uh-huh. I went from a very poor high school with terrible test scores and academics were atrocious to one of the best in the state. So you have this, like, mishmash of experiences and it really shapes who you are as a human shapes being. Who you are, yeah. who you are. So, so now you're, you're one of the the leading guys in this business. We get these email alerts every day in, in what we do at the network, and I, I constantly see your name on the bottom of breaking Trying to news. Get there, man. So, <laughs> and we've we've talked about this in the green room yeah. off air, and your hustle is real, like, and it's not easy. So people might see your name and say, well, oh, Rand's just another guy getting breaking news. No, you got to hustle for those yeah. facts and that information. Oh, yeah. How difficult is that? I mean, to me, it's it's uh, it's one of the most difficult tasks in the universe. The way that I, I see it is, you know, ultimately information comes from human beings. There's that which you can gather from stats and statistics, facts, you know, analyze it differently, and I think right. I do that well too. But that's stuff that, you know, arguably – anybody could do with some training uh what's very difficult to do is figure out how to get human beings who have uh, very valuable information to share that information with you as opposed Uh to the other you know 100 options they have you got adam schefter in my space nfl network's ian rapaport who's fantastic at his job uh then you got guys like jay glazer who's a legend in the business right uh and you got guys like mike garifolo over at fox who's also really solid and a number of others so you know why me instead of all of them and that's the game every day you got to come up with what is your comparative advantage why are you the one that gets to break the news on this contract for this much money uh or why yes why i'm asking yeah so here's the answer the answer is uh something that you highlighted earlier from my perspective i'm the realest dude in the business to me right you know what i mean like i'm i i have a different set of experiences we're not all of us have different things we do very well um i would argue that i'm the most uh distinctly different person in our space the only person who i really look to i say i identify with kind of how he did things was jay glazer because he's always been uh unabashedly himself right you know and i really appreciate ten that toes him. down yeah the earth just him 100 percent. and we're a lot different but i've got a tremendous amount of respect for him just for the simple fact that he did a great job at maintaining a sense of self throughout the process and so you know, I fight for it, man. Every day I'm up, you know, this morning, got to text at 447. You know, I got to be up. I got to answer that within so, 10 minutes. So you're talking about fight for it and, and being up early in the morning. Uh, it kind of helps me segue into 
the next topic, the combine. Mm-hmm. These young college players, they got to fight for it. Oh, yeah. I remember training, and I was up at 5 a.m. Yep. in Arizona, Scottsdale, training. Right. And, like, this is my only opportunity. Um, talk about what you see from, like, your point of view, your bird's eye view on these young college players about to embark on a journey that, like, most of them really don't know what they're getting into. Yeah. So uh, talk about it from that perspective. But I also I'm going to put you on the spot and say, give me a handful of guys right now that you know will be game changers. Yeah. Going into the next NFL season. Yeah. So the first part of it is, you know, I got into this business really for guys like yourself um, and, and all of the dudes out there who've been chasing their dreams for years because the combine is just a culmination of all of the years of effort and hard work right. you guys put in, right? And what I knew very well, you know, when I went to the University of Oregon, I lived with football players my whole time there. And you see what it is. Like, guys are up, you know, especially the bad ones. Some of my friends were, were, were not as well behaved as they should have been. So cats right. were up at 530 rolling. And they had to go to the field, right? And, right. and go do work to make up for things that they missed. So, you know, when the, when the combine comes up, um, I did this series a few years ago when I was back at, uh, at Yahoo Sports. It was called Dream Chasers. And I followed Kenny Stills, Tony Jefferson, Matt McGloin, Kyle Long, uh, Kenyon Barner, and Deion Jordan through the process from when they leave college, right? So they're big fish, small ponds usually. And then they come to Los Angeles where they really don't matter. You're Uh kind of anonymous. Like nobody here actually cares because this is Los Angeles. This is the city of stars. Um, And so it's a very vulnerable time for those guys. And all they have is their work. And you watch how they all deal with it. Some of them got caught up in the nightlife. Some of them focused on, you know, what they were supposed to do to get ready for the combine. And there was all kinds of, uh, uh, noise you know around them as they prepared for this thing but it was a really special experience for me because i embedded myself with them for 10 weeks at a gym up the street from my spot and i watched these guys i was up with them at the crack of dawn like you said at five o'clock right and i'd stay with them until five o'clock in the afternoon they had two a days every single day speed training Uh. you know core and strength training they're doing all that and then they're dealing with all the stuff that's going with their family everyone thinks they're rich now so you got a bunch of people starting to try and sink their claws in right and it's uh it's just an amazing part of the process so as they work through it you know i got to follow it and we did some very special stuff with them in terms of a, a, a mini doc series but what was cool about it is then they get to the combine and what they've been doing is preparing for the biggest job interview of their life and when you go out there and you put your hand down and you put your arm up and you get ready to run that 40 everything is on the line for you that's how that's a lot of it. these guys feel right. especially at the skill positions you know wide receivers right. running backs etc and man i'm telling you it was uh at the end of it some of these guys are dear friends of mine to this day mm. um because you know we we lived it together and you went on that journey we together. Lived it together yeah so that's that and then um you know i think some of these players that are going to be very fascinating jalen ramsey is is an absolute monster kid out of florida Facts. state Facts. it's uh a, a guy that a lot of folks are trying to frame out as a safety but if you talk to folks around jalen ramsey um they really believe that he can be a shutdown corner mm. that this is a guy at you know probably six two maybe a shade taller great height 205 great height great looks weight. 220 yeah. You know, he's big. I mean, I stood next to him. I'm a big right. guy. I'm 215, 6'1". Yeah. I stood next to him, and, man, I'm like, yo, this guy is – he's the real deal. Like, if he was coming down the lane, I, you know, I would definitely have to fall over. Like, I'm not just going <laughs> to get banged like that. So, so anyway, right. he's, he's a, a big, fast athlete. But you watch him on film, and he's got incredible ability 
uh, on the field. The instincts are crazy. Uh, his body control is crazy. Yeah. And, you know, he's a guy who can run. So I think that he's going to be a guy that, that really turns heads. People know he's a, a top pick, but I, I think yeah. over time they'll figure out how special he is. And then you know, there's a handful of other guys out there that uh, uh, Reggie Raglan, one of the most complete linebackers we've seen come out in quite some time. I think that he's going to show out. And, uh, and obviously the quarterbacks, Carson Wentz yeah. is a guy out of North Dakota State. People should pay real close attention to him. He started off as a, uh, I think he's like 5'10", 180 yeah. as a defensive back. And now he's like a 6'3", 225-pound quarterback who plays like a little guy, though. Like right. you see him jumping over people and hitting right. spin moves. and So, yeah, man, a lot, lot of talent. And, and again, um, a lot of negativity, right? People try and tear these guys down. Right. And uh, one of the other things that's been a comparative advantage of mine in the reporting process is I really just try and be as positive as possible. Like, these guys are fighting for their dreams, and there's enough people trying to tear them down. I try and build them up. That's what's and, up. Uh, yeah. These guys I, are all special. I, I can dig that, man. You know, you talk about, uh, you know, the dreams that these guys have. I remember coming out uh, 2003. Yep. I was a junior. And out of Nevada. Out of Nevada, Reno. Hey, you were sweet down there, too, I remember. Yeah, I, I, I used to get that work <laughs> in. So I thought to myself, okay, I spent this whole season leading the nation. Right. I was I was the number one receiver all year. Yep. The most catches with 138. And people were um, still asleep. They were asleep, mm-hmm. bro, snoozing. Yeah. So I, I thought to myself, all right, well, I, I got to go to this All-Star game, and I went to the East-West Shrine game, and then I got to do this combine. I, I got to do everything I need to do to remind everybody of what I know right. I am. And I did that. I yep. went to the combine. I jumped to 42 and a half. Crazy. My, my, my fastest time was low 4-4, four four, so I'm thinking. Also crazy. This is it. Like, yeah. I got it. Mm-hmm. There was a – handful of receivers drafted before me. Yep. And the crazy part about this is I was so upset when the draft was going on that I fell asleep. Because I, I, I was thinking to myself, and it's not a knock against anybody that went before me because right. as a player, I respect all these individuals. But I'm thinking to myself, like, I know I'm going to have – a longer career. I know yeah. that I'm going to come in and make a profound impact on any team I'm with. And Mike Tice with the Minnesota Vikings, he called me on my cell phone. So I had the old school, like Samsung flip yeah. joint. Yeah. And, I get the <laughs> and I'm, I had to wake up out of my slumber. I'm like, Brrr. and it was just me and my family at the house. I didn't yeah. want to have no party. I, didn't, I yeah. wasn't about the extra stuff. So um, he, he was like, hello. I was like, how you doing? He's like, this is Mike Tice with the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to select you in the third round. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. He said, you don't sound too excited. I said, I'm sorry, sir. I I, I was just uh, taking a nap. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you're taking a nap during the NFL draft? And I was like, yeah, it's a long story, but um, I, I, I'm happy to be there. Yeah. And when I show up, I'm going to work. And that was my experience. Yeah. Now, what's crazy about, like, how I view things, you got guys that, that get drafted in the first round, and they are automatically stamped. Right. Game changer. Mm-hmm. And then you got guys that are either drafted in a ladder rounds or free agents, and they don't have an identity. Right. They have to create that. Right. And that's I think that's the the most beautiful part about the process is that you got a guy that has all the pressure on him yep. in the first or second round, and then you got these guys that literally will run through a brick wall just to make the team. Oh, yeah. Chip on their shoulders here. And what's good about me being in the third round is that I fell in between. So yeah. I felt somewhat privileged that I was picked, but I felt somewhat disrespected. Of course. And I think that's the, like, ultimate blend of, like, the perfect athlete because 
you're glad to be here, but you know you still got to prove something. And that's every day. Yeah. And that's every, and obviously you work in the job that you do and knowing that you just you just name some individuals in your space that are real at what they do. Yeah. It's the same thing, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, look, if you're not competitive, if you don't think you're the best, like if I stood up here and told you, like, oh, you know, I'm really hoping I can be fourth best. Like, that's not – you're never going to succeed the way that you're supposed to succeed, right? I want right. to be the best, and I believe in my at my core I am the best. What people don't know, I never took a journalism class. I went to law school from 06 to 09. I got done. I started a sports consultancy to help players transition to the NFL. How do you choose an agent? How do you choose a CPA? How do you choose a financial advisor? How does a 21-year-old kid, especially from the inner city, have any idea? And my thinking was, okay, when my homeboys were out there, you know, practicing and giving their all to football 10, 15 hours a day, I was locking myself in the room and studying Uh so that I could be the one to help them make that transition. So what I found out quick is the schools didn't care enough to pay for the service. And so that died real quick. So then I was like, oh, no, what do I do? And, uh, and I fell into sports reporting. Well, that was in 2011, basically, 2000, late 2010. So I didn't start being an NFL insider until less than two years ago. And so for me, you know, in two years, I've gone from absolutely unknown commodity in this space to a guy who's very competitive at the highest levels. And, and for me, that's an accomplishment, like you said, right? So I'm, right. I'm a third rounder right now. Like, I feel yeah. good. But I bet you I have... Uh, in my mind, the longest, most illustrious career, right? And, and if, I, if I didn't feel like that, what am I here for? What are you, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's the same thing for players. Look, the reason you fell asleep, I'm sure, is because you were emotionally exhausted. It's, it's going it's through that process. I know I'm great. I know I'm great. First round goes, damn, okay, I know I'm great. Second round goes, man, fall asleep. You yeah. know what I mean, it's just hard to deal with it. And, and, and you talk about being emotionally exhausted. Uh, one of the topics we talked about early in the show is getting cut by teams, right? Yeah. So and Nate, before we jump to that, I got to ask you, speaking about your playing days, you had a tweet, an uh, Instagram post I got to ask you. About. Yeah. That's why I have Randy as a reporter, the insider, so we can figure this out, right? Yeah. So, so this is a post right here with the photos of you working out. And it reads, all these rumors <laughs> floating around about my guy Megatron, Calvin Johnson, my favorite player, by the way, possibly retiring. I've decided to to be continued. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Plot twist. Mm-hmm. So we got the reporter and the insider. Let's get that info. That's what I was saying. Go, the people came in here know. looking in shape. They <laughs> yeah. came in here looking and in shape. That's crazy. You came at me like yeah. that, TD. I thought we was on the same page. Hey, I'm just, <laughs> supposed to I mean, if you me. want to break news, I mean. Hey, thugger, thugger, you supposed to hit me with the text <laughs> and let me know he's going to hit me with the. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to say this. Like, here's the facts. So I, I just started getting back into training, uh, doing CrossFit and, um, when I left the field, I, I I got released by Cleveland, and I had a torn hamstring. So, for me, that was, like, the worst way to leave yeah. the field. I was thinking to myself, like, I get it. And I dapped up Ray Farmer yep. and, and Mike Patton. I was like, yo, like, I get it. 33 years old, I would cut me, too. I got six weeks to heal from, like, severely torn hamstring. Right. Um, but I thought to myself, like, if I get back into shape, I can give any team a great chance of yeah. having a good receiving core. So my healthy season was the previous year when I broke my arm. This huge scar, I broke my arm and had 40 catches. So, And I only played eight games. Right. So me knowing myself, I could easily play 16 games and give you 80 catches just because – I'm a third rounder. Of course. I'm cocky. I'm a great number two. I will be anybody's number two and be 
the illest out there. Yeah. So I started working out. And I'm doing CrossFit. And I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, I can, I can get back on this field. Like, I'm watching twos and threes. Yep. Come on, Rand, you watch the same game as me. And I watched you play the game. And you watched me play the game. Yeah. So, um, I, I can, I can kind of solidify a lot of teams' receiving core. But as I'm sitting there, as I'm working out, and my son, little Nate, yeah. is watching me, and we just came off the heels of him playing his football game, yep. flag football. Who little Nate is nice. Yeah, I already son. <laughs> I will give you the inside scoop know. right now. Yeah. He gets busy. So I'm like, Nate, um, I'm about to post on Instagram that I might come back. And him thinking like me and knowing his dad, uh, he's like, you should do it and see what the response is. How old is little Nate? He's 11. Okay. And he understands it. Yeah. He gets it. And so he's like, um, he's like, and the crazy part about it, there was a, a lightweight emotional moment where he genuinely asked me, are you coming back? Right. Because at the tail end of my career, he was, you know, eight, nine years old. And he got it, but he didn't really grasp it. Right. So I can tell at 11, he just wants to be well aware that, like, my dad's on the field. So he was asking, he said, hey, Dad, like, seriously, are you coming back? And he was asking because he wanted me to. Yeah, of course. And I was I had to tell him, like, nah, Nate, I, I can't do it. Yeah. I love, one, I love my job that I have now, but I also love the time I get to spend with my kids. Right. Because when I played, I was so far removed from the day-to-day, um, you know, job of being, you know, a, a athlete, a husband, a father. So I would – exhaust everything that I had on the field and then when I come home I was literally a zombie yeah you know you, you, whether it was pain pills or being frustrated or the criticism or the wins the losses I was so emotionally invested in the game that I only gave my family like 25 percent that's all you had to give that's all I had so right. um and, and when I have these conversations with my sons I say so what would you rather have would you rather have me on the field or would you rather have me right now and they both say, I'd rather have you right now because yeah. when I'm home, I'm home. Yeah. I'm cooking. Yeah. I'm talking about Steph Curry with the wrist. Ah. I mean, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, and we get to hang out and I'm hugging and kissing and I'm there. Yeah. Locked in. What people don't understand, and Rand, you know, athletes are so distracted by the show. Yeah. It is a circus. Yep. And it's emotionally at all times exhausting. Yep. And, and so to answer your question, TD, no, bro, I'm not <laughs> coming back. No. Yeah, and Rand said it earlier. He's like, I don't know if you've been working out or if your shirt's too tight, but <laughs> it's a combination of both. I have been in the weight room, though. I think Thugger might have hit you with that one. I was thinking it, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. was that you, Thugger? <laughs> oh, that was you, my bad. Oh, I, oh, man, oh, all right, cool. Well, Yo, real talk, though. Tight, though. You look like you could play the game, and cats know how physically gifted you were. And not only physically gifted, there's a lot of physically gifted guys in the league, the best athletes in the world, uh, but you also poured your heart and soul into it, and you played the game with a passion that made you successful for many, many years. So You're still playing Madden, man. You're still, you're still in the free agent pool. You've got like an 87 I, speed. I, I got to officially retire. First of all, the 87 is kind of lightweight weak. <laughs> they slept on you. They slept on me. In your good days, you had a 92, 93 speed. Yeah, I, yeah. I was in there. I, I got busy. I got busy. But, nah, I, um, I, I enjoy my job, man. And it, it keeps me so close to the sport that I love. I've been playing this sport since I was eight. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I'm padded. Like, it wasn't – It was there was no flag football when I was growing up. So, 
I, I had pads on when I was eight years old, and um, I, I'm going to love this sport to the day I die. But right now, this is everything that I got. Yeah. I hear you, TD. Sound like okay. Jay a little bit. I need to take hey. this one. Sound like Jay. This is a rock oh, that old Kanye this soul That old, ro- old Rockefeller yeah, right? That Dynasty hey. era. Yeah. That's fire right there. Oh, there's so many subtleties in the back of that. There's like chimes and bells and whistles. Hey, TD's all about he's Little all class. about the he's all about the drop. Like I like it. This is a thug of This actually right really here. goes though. TD, when he's listening to me, he wants to, he wants to do this. <laughs> <laughs> when he's at home, I, I... Yeah, speaking that's of beats, man, that new Kanye album. Oh man. That new Kanye. You Yo, and Kanye, about? if you think about it, it was funny. We were talking about this yesterday. You think about college dropout Kanye. I remember the first time I heard him say, mayonnaise colored bands, I push miracle whips. And Cat's minds were blown because, like, yeah. his one-liners were crazy. And so you start listening, breaking down everything that he was spitting. He was so nice, bro, from moment one. But you listen to college dropout Kanye in The Life of Pablo, which just <laughs> dropped a couple days ago. Bro. I don't know if they're and, – and look, I know that, that there's some elements of this album that kind of traces his whole catalog, but at the same time, like, how different is the guy in terms of his evolution today as opposed to what he was then? This is Kanye through the wire, Kanye, right? Had the car wreck, had his mouth wired shut, right. spit right. a fire song literally through the wire with his mouth through wired wire. shut. Through the wire. And now, you know, he's one of the biggest artists, one of the most transformational artists in the history of our space. And the things that he's gone through. I mean, we talk about it as a football player, which is crazy. But think about how much more amplified it is for a guy like that. And granted, he does a lot of it to himself. You know, Mary Kim Kardashian, you're going to get some some extra attention. But right. still. But he embraces it, though. Yeah. I, I, I was listening to snippets of the album this morning. And uh, he had a comment in there. He said, me and Ray J would be friends. <laughs> that was He's crazy. Except, that the was crazy is, except the difference is I'm rich. Right? <laughs> is that crazy? <laughs> like, all right, so once again, a great segue into um, what, what we're going to talk about next. Kanye, I, I feel like he's one of the most creative artists in the business. No because doubt. he's fearless yep. in, in the way he takes risk. And Earl Thomas – recently expressed kind of his opinion on the creativity of the NFL or lack thereof and how kind of they restrict what we do in comparison to the NBA. Yeah. NBA is it's the show and we all saw our pieces of what the all-star weekend was, you know, this past weekend. And it reminded me of the old school days, like that dunk contest, Aaron Gordon and, Zach Levine, I, I was blown away. Unreal, I loved bro. it. And then you had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. It was it was like a all light skin. <laughs> <laughs> Team, Team light. You gonna say? You was waiting. You was waiting for it. <laughs> no, keep it one hundred though. Like from the days back in the day, Steph, like Michael Clay. Jordan win a dunk contest and Craig Hodges win a three point contest. Yeah. It was it was heavy dark skinned. But like this past weekend was. It was the battle of the light skins, and yeah. I, but I loved it. I yeah. loved it. So I think Earl Thomas was basically saying, like, there is a part of the NFL that is a show. Yeah. And where do you stand on that? Because I'll, I'll share my opinion, but, you know, watching it from the outside in, what 
Now give me – I want Rand the insider, but yeah. I also want Rand the fan. Yeah. Give me both. the curtain for people that don't know. The exact tweet read, the NFL should take notes from the NBA, allow us to express our creativity without finding us, to celebrate our players while we are still living. Right. Right. Mm. See, I know Earl's people well and, uh, you know, have some unique insight on the guy. And, and one of the things we were discussing yesterday, TD said it like, this is one of the most locked-in guys in the game. Uh, TD told the story, yeah. you know, he said something about he was here in the offseason. Yep. And he starts watching film. Yeah. You know, it's the offseason. I remember that. And he's breaking down film. So this is a guy that, like, he lives and breathes football. So for him to come out and basically push for the NFL to allow more creativity is pretty profound, actually. And he's not even a guy that goes out there and – right. Is over the top with right. his celebrations. He's got the PE Jordans, right? So he goes out there and stunts in the PEs. Yeah, he's, he's always got his face on his fire. Feet. Yeah, no question. But here's the thing that I think is interesting. So I'll give you the, you know, take away the insider title, or whatever. Just you know, as a human being, um, where we work, the NFL Network is uh, is one of the most fantastic places I could ever hope to be. Uh, the people are incredible. The passion here is incredible. Everyone works their tails off to put out the best product every day. Uh, but we are, you know, in many many ways, uh, inextricably tied to the NFL proper. And the NFL proper is, uh, for all intents and purposes, a very buttoned-up enterprise. And it's very conservative in a lot of ways, which is strange um, to me sometimes because if you look at the base of athletes, those that are the most exciting, a lot of those guys uh, come from backgrounds more similar to ours right. than they do to the folks in charge, right? And so... Uh, and the new demographic. Yes, the 100%. Exactly. Those of us who have been living in this melting pot, growing up in this melting pot, hip-hop changed everything <laughs> for us. You know, right. everything. I was telling you this earlier. My daddy was born in 42. It wasn't until 64 that he was a whole human being under the law. Mm. Truly, right? The Civil mm. Rights Act passed in 64. Right. So my daddy was in his 20s before he was recognized as a, mm. as a whole human being under the mm. law. Um, so between that time, I was born in 82, at the end of 82, and today, man, how much has the world changed? And we still right. got a lot of issues to work through. Obviously, uh, we are far from perfect as a society. But I would argue, especially in uh, more metropolitan cities, um, you know, we really embrace diversity. We embrace yeah. uh, diversity of experience, culture, you know, identity. And so, uh, you know, for me, you look at my friendship group, it, it looks like a rainbow. Real talk. Right. You know, I got friends that are. Now, I saw you in the Super Bowl, bro. So for everybody <laughs> listening, we was we was in San Francisco. We was at what, what party? We were at the Glazer party. At the, the Suits and Sneakers. Jay Glazer. Suits and Sneakers. Right? <laughs> Yo, my bad, son. I didn't know you was out there. You know what I mean? They so see you at the Madden party. I, I, I walk in and, and Rand's in there chilling, right? First of all, there's a ton of athletes in there, like superstars in yeah. there. Yeah. And none of the athletes got, like, a table. But I see Rand. He got a table with his boys and bottles. I'm like, it's an open bar. Why do you have bottles? Literally, it's wild. I don't know. Maybe you can answer this. Convenience. So, okay, convenience. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, Rand, what's popping? What's good? You know, Rand, y'all got to see Rand out and about. He's swagged out. He got the fresh kicks on. So he's like, what's up, baby? What's good? Yeah, I don't know. I might have made up that little, like. Swag in the voice, but yeah. he's like, wish pop it. So he, I, and, and it, but I think our song came on, and and Rand just started swag. He was like, it was good, and his whole crew started dancing. I'm like, is this choreography? He's like, they're like, oh, we in the building, and they doing like a whole routine. I'm like, yo, y'all over here doing it, and I'm with the wifey. I'm like, y'all gotta. Let me let me get I away. Can't, from I, y'all, can't right? I can't hang with y'all. I can't hang with y'all. Get in trouble. Nah, man, my my crew is. That uh, was. 
That was a good night. We had a good time. Yeah. We had a good time. I, I like the way you was moving in there. You know, it's uh, it, it's good to, like, people see me, you know, when I do this job as an insider. This, is, this goes into the point, right? Working for the NFL, I put on a suit and tie and a pocket square, and I sit up there and I have to deliver the news, right? right? And I'm, I, I have the recognition necessary to understand what my demographic is. It's broad, but I got to be as buttoned up as possible in delivering right. news. Right. But – as a newsbreaker, people don't really ask you your opinion on stuff very often. Right. Or if they do, you got to be careful about what you say. But that's why I think the R&B podcast is so dope because it allows us to be us. And yeah. I watch you and Rob do it, uh, Mike Rob do it, and, and I'm always like, damn, man, I wish I could be a part of that because that, that's where I think you get uh, the essence of who we are as human beings. And for those folks that are tuning in, I've watched the feedback online. You guys are crushing it. You know, yeah. TD, all you guys, you guys are crushing it. People love this show. And there's a reason for it. It's because it's authentic. So, you know, when you see me out like that, that's authentic. That's me oh, and my people. Though. Oh, 100%. You know? <laughs> like, TD and Thugger, Thugger, they know, like, I, I come in here and I'm, I'm from Seattle. I live in Arizona. But, like, I love this job and I love being in L.A. So, like, I enjoy this space that I'm in, right. being in Los Angeles. So occasionally I'll come in, I'll share a story or two, and I'm like, yo, I'm having a good time. TD, I was kicking it with Rand, and <laughs> Rand looked me in my eyes and was like, hey, yo, you got to kick it with me and my boys. And I'm like, <laughs> like, you almost checked me. I was like, yo. Like, and then I looked over at this dude, and this dude was sitting there like this. Yo. <laughs> well, like, you gotta rock with us. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I gotta rock with y'all. Yeah. But my uh, man JD from the 49ers, one yeah. of my best friends. So he played at Oregon. He was a two time all Pac 10 safety. And we, we came up together. You know, we met each other in 02 when he was a young buck. I was a sophomore. And we came up. And then my other man, JR uh, Duperia, he's uh, way up the ladder in Adidas basketball marketing. So he's James Harden's guy, Damian Lillard's guy. He lives with Dame. Like, so, you know, these are my people. I met Damian uh, Lillard, who, who spits fire. Fire. Damian Lillard. Yeah, four bar four Friday. Bar Friday. Oh, we yep. got to do it. We got to Dame and Nate. We got we to gotta get that oh. freestyle battle going. Hey, you know it's crazy. Man, this what's up. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I'm hey. right. I don't know about nah. a freestyle. I might nah. see. Nah. If you I, need to, hey. I'm going to get in trouble. Holla at your boy that knows Dame because, and this is going to sound shaky, and I don't want him to take this wrong way, but I wrote some bars for Damian like, a year ago, because I heard he was an athlete that raps. So I'm like, Make it happen. any athlete that raps, I'm going at the head. Like, 100%. I'm old school. I'm coming from, the, like, the 80s cloth. Got to so do it. I got bars, like, yeah. for everybody. Anybody. Oh, Dale Beckham, I don't care. If you if there's a clip on you online rapping, I got bars I for got you. you. So I'll let him know. That we can sit in. I'll let him know. Um. Okay. Oh, you coming subtle with this. Look. This is that. Uh, so, hey, look. See, see him? He waiting for the drop. Look. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Got that outcast Jazzy Bells background. Hey. You know that? Uh. uh. Yeah. But well, Ram, we gotta make that happen though. Yeah, we, yeah. we can do it. Freestyle battle. Oh, I'll hit him. Off season, we gotta do something. Yep. Right. I was so mad, bro. They all went to the Yeezy show at MSG. My man's was right on the floor. So it's Yeezy, my man Dougie. My man Jr. You met Dougie too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's uh, we live a good life. It, yeah, like yeah, yeah. those cats are all they're, they're, everyone. We love it because you know when you bring the circle in, what you think about is, is what we're trying to do. Ultimately, I think, in my mind at least, is raise each other up. We want to empower each other. We want to make sure that we do everything we can to to get ahead. And so to your point with you know Earl Thomas, going back to that, you know I think the NFL could be a, a, a lot more. Um, open-minded uh, in terms of celebrations, in terms of creative expression. Yeah. Uh, you know, simple things like, bro, why can't uh, Mario Williams go out there with the cold face mask, <laughs> right? Why can't right. cats wear the visors? Visor. Got like, right? right? And the reality is, is because it's a, it's a it's a highly 
well-tuned, well-oiled enterprise that is all about maximizing its bottom line. And I get that. And I'm a free enterprise guy. And so there are two things. One, I wish they allowed for a little bit more creativity from a personal perspective because I think that it would make the game uh, more enriching uh, for everyone watching. And, and mind you, this is the best product on the planet. Like, right. we love it. Uh, but on the other hand, um, you know, you really can't argue with results. They are destroying it from, you know, a bottom line perspective. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to critique a multi-billion-dollar right. yeah. industry, yeah, and that's what it is. So we we got to do some rapid fire before we get out of here. Let's do it. We we got to talk about the Super Bowl, yeah. Right. We got to talk about Beyonce. We got to talk about Peyton Manning. Whatever y'all want to talk about. Um, Whatever I'm throwing is. them all out. So I want you to jump on wherever you want to get in. Kanye. I'm not just gonna say Kanye's tweets, but the albums. I've been blown away the last twelve hours. Yeah. Um, Kendrick at the Grammys, yeah, which was crazy. His performance was bananas. Yeah, um, just respect to that young man. And then uh, the dunk contest. So yeah, jump, jump in, jump in where you see fit. So let's do Kanye and Kendrick, okay? Kanye, Kanye is and Kendrick, a that's, definite that's yeah. lane you're going right yeah. now. Okay, it's a, it's well, a let really me, interesting let me adjust my seat real quick. <laughs> it's because, a really interesting conversation. Okay, but you say Kanye and Kendrick. It's the way you phrased it. Yeah. Um, where does Drake fit in there? So Drake is, to me, uh, one of the coldest entertainers uh, in our space. Obviously, we've heard the discussion about the ghost writing, et cetera. He can spit, though. Drake definitely spits. Got bars. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Uh, but why I say he's an entertainer is Drake is this guy that has this incredible uh, multi-skill set that he utilizes to give us uh, that feel-good music. I mean, right. when you hear a Drake track come on in the club, it's right. Yeah. Everyone enjoys it, yeah. and he and so I don't care who's writing his bars. I actually really don't care. Now I know hip hop back in the day, like it was a big thing. You were an MC, whatever. But yeah. Drake is out there making stupid amounts of money, dating the most beautiful women in the universe, Facts. and you know, living, stunting on everybody. And so I'm not mad at that man. He's he's doing it his way, and and all I want is good music. Okay. Okay. So he's wonderful. But right. the reason I say Kanye and Kendrick is um, both of these guys are uh, changing the world in a different way, okay? Drake is not like a, a social movement kind of guy. He's yeah. an entertainer. But he, Kanye he, and Kendrick... There's a reason why he teamed up with Jordan, because Jordan isn't... He isn't that... Right. Mike Jordan, he, he stays away from... Right. He, Let's make it... Let's let Republicans buy shoes, too. That's, that's true. That's a that's quote, true. right? Yeah. yeah. So and Drake is the same way. He stays out of that. Yeah. Even though with the Meek battle, he did throw a little bit out there with charged up. He's what did he say? He said, um, you know, they they kill they killing us with arms up and your main objective is to harm Right. That's, I get it. So he Right. He he throws subtleties he out there. He throw subtleties out there, but it's not like his main thing. Right. Where Kendrick. Kendrick. Okay. So this is where it comes in. Kanye, I have so much respect for Kendrick are you saying Kendrick is the closest thing to Tupac? <laughs> Kanye uh, I'm sorry, Kendrick is is by far and away the closest thing we've had to Tupac. It, it, on terms in terms of the biggest stage since we lost Tupac, and the reason is is because if you think about it, you know, uh, uh, Pac did uh, uh, what was it? A rose from the concrete. Yeah. And the idea is Kendrick is that he grew up in Compton, so in in college, my roommates and my best friends were all from the city section. Right. So Dorsey, Crenshaw, Dominguez, like South Central Los Angeles. Ugh. When you get south of Ugh. the ten, yeah, super right. good. And but like good dudes. Okay, so I watched the uh, Noisy Bompton piece on Kendrick last night and I encourage everybody who's into Kendrick's music or just hip hop in general or really 
social issues in general to watch this noisy Bompton piece my man uh, Greg Beef Jones is one of the producers on it and it's phenomenal mm -hmm. noisy's been doing some really good stuff in that space so basically yeah. what they did is they went to Compton and they went back to Centennial High School where Kendrick went to and they talked to his teachers and while they were there filming there's a big old fight cops show up on campus you know people are running through the back alleys and jumping over fences and here is this reality that these people live every single day and Kendrick is a representative of that. Right. Now, Kanye is from the south side of Chicago, but he's a little bit different. You know, he went to college and, you know, college dropout obviously was indicative of that. And then he was this wildly talented producer. So he's making crazy beats that we all moved to during our college years. Right. Yeah. And he was an incredibly talented, artistic guy. Kendrick, to me, is a uh, poet. I want to use, yeah, he's a poet. He's a prophet. He's a right. he's a social movement maker. Yeah. And so when you when you look at that performance the other night. Um, while Kanye is a creative genius, uh, I think Kendrick is a creative genius, but he's also a guy who's unabashedly committed to and 100% committed to ensuring that we don't forget the realities of his people. Yeah. Right? And he also wants to save his people. Uh. So it's not about... Uh, you know, increasing creativity in society. And Kanye wants to be this guy. He creates dope shoes. I got my Yeezys, my Moon Rocks. I love them. I put them on like, right. yo, these are amazing. His clothes, you know, it takes a while, but you look at it and you're like, wow, okay, he's selling, you know, uh, homeless sweaters for, for $3,000. That's crazy. And it's all transformational, but it's different. Kendrick wants us all to, one, acknowledge yeah. that these problems exist. Two, to identify what the root of those problems is. Three, to come up with solutions for those problems. And one of the people they interviewed in this noisy Bompton piece was his man. I think his name was Lil L or something like that anyway. Uh, not his government, clearly. But he uh, said, look, man, I'm, I'm a blood. I'm a gang member. I have been forever. I just got out of county. And I always supported Kendrick, and he supported me. And here's Kendrick in a backyard, one of the biggest artists, you know, arguably backyard one of the most influential, in the backyard in the hood still. And I have so much respect for him because, as we discussed earlier, like, I came from a similar environment. It was a much smaller environment. It was a right. snapshot of South Central Los Angeles, but it was the same thing. We were poor. We were on food stamps. We had violence. People were getting right. shot, you know, all of those things. And so, you know, I very much appreciate a guy who speaks for those people and pushes with everything that he has to ensure that he is a representative of those people, the best elements of them and showing everybody it can be done. 100%. I mean, one of the, one of the most influential artists in the game, in my opinion, you got Kendrick, and you got Kanye, and when you look at the two, you got Kendrick, who he talks what he wants the world to be. So he's he's speaking futuristically. Right. You know, he, he's trying to promote change, like yes. you said. He is a movement maker. And then you got Kanye, who is so in the moment, yeah. so right now, yes. and he says exactly what you think. And the stuff that we think and we say, all right, I'm not dumb enough to say that right now <laughs> just because I, I don't want to say this. Kanye says that. Yeah. So you're listening to his album and you say, damn, like, I really, I, I get it. Like, yep. yeah, yeah, you and Ray J probably would be friends. <laughs> you are a little yeah. bit interested. So that, like, that's the two. And I think, like, what we love about hip-hop is, like, you know, including Drake in this conversation, you have the entertainer who is he's one of the dopest artists out. Yeah. And then you got Kendrick, who was speaking that Pac language. Right. This is what I want the world to think. And then you got Kanye, who was the voice. He's like, no, I'm going to tell you what everybody's thinking. Yeah. And this is what we are thinking. Right. And Kanye and Kanye got me right now. Because when he, when he did his whole, you got to listen to the kids. You, what was that? Was that MTV? The awards? When he went on his rant? Like, oh, yo. It's and amazing. he was like, yo, I hit the, I was, I'm, I'm high. And I, I, 
It's amazing. Like, to take the edge off like that. I mean, he's, he's real, bro. Like, he's, yeah. he's speaking raw, he's, uncut. He's speaking to the veins of society. Yep. And that's what it is. But, uh, hey, Rand, I appreciate you joining me, man. Appreciate you having me. It's been me. real. Yep. Um, yeah, we gonna get it in. You know what, TD? We're gonna we're gonna change. We're gonna add a new element to this show. All right. Yep. And the new element is, um, I mean, let's not hide the fact that we're in LA. Like, yeah. this is where we work, dog. This is what we do. So, Rand, I know you're insider, right, to the yeah. NFL. Yeah. Um. And I'm gonna ask you because you're my boy. Yeah. But I'm gonna ask you to, to to whether we have Mike Robintown or not to be my insider to the streets of LA. Bro, I got you. I'm talking about like what's popping in the streets. Yeah. What's going on? Yep. What's the hot spots? Yeah. You know, it, it's a roller coaster ride. And occasionally we'll go out. We'll yep. we'll cross paths with some celebs, and and we'll you know we'll release some photos of some hot pics we have throughout the night. Yeah. I'm asking that of you. Oh, man, I got you 100%. Be Anytime you want to go to Hyde, I got you. You want to go to EPLP, I got you. That's about, we'll run ex- around the city. Hey. I was in Hyde one time. I was like, I was like, yo, I couldn't get in. The next day, Rand was like, you should have hit me. I would have got you in. That's crazy. <laughs> Just invite me next time, guys. All right. We so, no. Hey, TD. No, for real. This is going to be a new part of our show. Hey, R&B yeah, Insider. Cool. We got to make it happen. R&B no Insider. And let's get Dame. Let's get Dame on here. Let's do that freestyle battle. Let's make it all happen. It's off season. We got room. Let's uh, let's make it all happen. Dame I did meet Kendrick over the weekend. They were doing Super Bowl week. Did you? Oh, yeah. yeah. No photos. Just gave him respect, man. Told him I respect him. Left it at that, man. As That's humble as he up. comes off. Dude, man, dude is just like, it's a real dude. Yeah. Real That's dude. That's what's up, man. Hey, well, listen, man, that's it for the R&B podcast. Remember, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag R-A-N-D-B. I'm at Nate13Burleson. Ram, tell him your Twitter. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, at Rand underscore Getlin. Promise not to do too much stuff that's going to get me fired. Uh, yeah. I'm Try and keep it clean. Keep it 100% clean. <laughs> Hey, shout out to our production team, producer TD, always doing his thing, dropping beats, keeping us in line. And D'Angelo, thugger, thugger. I see you with a small white tee on. You trying to take your jacket off. Okay, I see you. All right. And, uh, to our supporters, and Shot Infinite, he gave us yeah. a dope intro track. And we, we got to release the, the intro track my boy sent from Seattle. Uh, we got people making us. You got to get Jake One to do something, bro. Oh, that's I seen you in that Jake One video. I know. Jake One video. I know. Yeah, I'm a lightweight rapper. Hey, and please remember, you got to subscribe on iTunes. Uh, iTunes and uh, comment, retweet, do it all. Your YouTube, everything. Hashtag R&B. Hashtag R&B. Support the movement. It's a movement. It's a movie.